know about laughter and you know about lament, but they go together. And we're going to talk about it on this edition of Key Life. He's, he's an old white guy, an author, broadcaster, and former seminary professor who's sick of religion. And he's brought friends. Please welcome Steve Brown, etc., live. We're so glad you're here. Uh, you have a wonderful opportunity to watch me make a fool of myself. <laughs> <laughs> When you do as many broadcasts as I do, you forget which ones you're doing. This is not Key Life. This is Steve Brown, etc. And and we're so glad you're here. And for those of you who are watching the live stream on Facebook, those who will be watching it on YouTube and the 250 stations around the country... We're glad you're here, and I say often, and I mean all the time, you always have a seat at our table. And in case you're wondering, I'm Steve, the aforementioned old white guy. Uh, Matthew Porter's here, and Matthew is our executive producer. We've been teaching grace and forgiveness and mercy for about 40 years. But last week, Matthew heated some fish in the microwave in the Key Life kitchen, and I'm reassessing uh, every bit of that sort of thing. True story. (laughs) (laughs) And Jinx, of course, is our producer, and he's not in his glass booth, but he's there in the back, and anything that goes wrong, we will blame Jinx for. You know, we told you. We told you that, just like we tell all our guests, coughing and cussing are the only two things we edit. So that's in there. So be careful. (laughs) And um, our video director and one-man IT department is John Myers. You can't see him. He's not in his regular bunker, but he is here this evening. And uh, he thinks, by the way, Christmas is not that far away. And if you can make it to his house, he has one of the most gigantic Christmas light presentations you have ever seen. And sometimes he says that those of us who work at Key Life are like his Christmas lights. Some of them aren't so bright and some of them don't work. (laughs) And then Dr. George Bingham is here and he is the president of Key Life and my boss. And I don't want to alarm you, but there's a good chance that he'll lock the doors tonight and take up an offering. Today th- could be the first day of the rest of your contribution. <laughs> the first day of the rest of your contribution. And Kathy Wyatt is the feminine side, warm feminine side of Key Life. And um, she made cookies for the staff and the crew, oatmeal cookies. And uh, to borrow Ben Franklin or Martin Luther talking about beer, oatmeal cookies are an indication, a sign that Jesus loves us and wants us to have a really good time. Kathy, guess what I'm eating today? Cookies. Cookies. Oatmeal cookies. Jinx got twice as many cookies as anybody else. Now, if you listen to Key Life, uh, to uh, Steve Brown, etc., 
I mean, you can listen to both. <laughs> the other one's a little bit more religious than this one, and I'm a little bit more careful on the other one. Uh, but if you listen to uh, Steve Brown, etc., you know that this is the place in the program where I introduce the guest. That presents a significant problem this <laughs> evening because, as I understand it, I'm the guest. <laughs> and so I get to introduce myself. Nice. The first thing you'll notice about me is how handsome and good-looking I am. <laughs> and the next thing you'll notice about me is how wise, profound, intelligent I am. Then thirdly, uh, you will wonder why my voice sounds like a burp. And the best quality that I have is my humility. And, and you should welcome our guest on Steve Brown. I can't believe I'm doing this. Well, that was good. And this is the part where we ask the questions of the author. Do I get to ask the questions no. of the author? It doesn't work that way, does no, it? No, okay. can't do that. <laughs> and typically what we ask is something along the lines of, well, what's your book about? What motivated you to write it? Those kinds of, you know, setting the table kind of thing. And I tried to come up with a better, you know, like, well, let's really try extra for this episode since it's Steve's. <laughs> I, I can't beat that question. That's, that's so it's really just the same pedestrian question well, we ask it's, of everybody. It's classic, Steve, not pedestrian. <laughs> okay, it's, classic. It's, uh, it's tried and true. I, uh, I re- this book, the idea for it came when I was teaching at the Billy Graham uh, training center. It's called The Cove. And if you've never been there, you ought to go there sometime. It is absolutely magnificent. 2,500 acres of the most beautiful mountain place you've ever seen. The hotels uh, on the conference center were all decorated by Ruth Graham, and she has wonderful taste. And the conference center itself looks like this. It's technologically unbelievable. And then I go up there, and I have since the beginning, when they first started it, And every year I teach one or two seminars at that particular place. And two or three years ago when I was there, they said, Steve, could you tell us what you're going to be teaching next year so we can promote it with the people who are here this year? Guys, I don't know what I'm going to be saying during this program, (laughs) much less a year from now. So I just said the first thing that came to mind. I said, We're going to talk about the laughter of the redeemed. And they said, good, we'll promote it. And then I thought, what in the world would that be? And then people started asking me questions when they told them about it. And they said, what are we going to do? And I said, well, we're going to gather here a year from now. And we're going to tell each other our best jokes. And we're going to laugh a lot. And the uptight one said, I'm not coming. That's not spiritual enough. But most of the people, the rest mostly have left me. But most of the people said, way cool, I'm going to show up. So I got to working on that. And then I kept hitting verses in scripture on suffering and pain and sin and darkness and the fall. And I decided, you know, I can't just talk about the laughter of the redeemed without talking about the tears of the redeemed. 
And as I worked on it, I came up with that theme, and that was how the book got started. It was sort of an accident. Once I started thinking about it, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And uh, then the title for the book, uh, Laughter uh, and Lament. And you worked in some alliteration, which I like. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> I'm a sucker for that. But that can drive you nuts if you get neurotic you, you about get, it. You can get too cute <laughs> with that. Well, the thing that jumped out to me is you always uh, quote uh, Jack Miller in the, in the, in the quote, the, the, two, um, the biblical truth can be summed up with two sentences. That seems to be particularly keyed into yeah. the title and the theme of the book. It really is. Jack Miller, whom I loved, and by the way, um, his daughter uh, uh, is my editor, uh, Barbara Giuliani, and I got a note from her this morning there in Philadelphia, and she just said, I wish I could be there, but I'm so busy, I don't even have time for lunch. Uh, But Jack wrote... um, a book about her called Comeback Barbara. Jack was a uh, professor at Westminster Seminary, the founder of World Harvest, the, uh, uh, the writer of us. He was a forefather of grace, and he wrote a seminar uh, on grace that has been used all over the world. At any rate, this is what my friend Jack said. He said, the whole of the Christian faith, and you've heard me say this, can be summed up in two sentences. And one is, cheer up, you're a lot worse than you think you are. And the second sentence is, cheer up, God's grace is a lot bigger than you think it is. When I first heard him say that, I just wanted to dance and speak in tongues and stuff. And Presbyterians don't do either one of those. Uh, But it's been a pleasure working with his daughter. And by the way, if you get this book, there's no acknowledgement page because I forgot. Uh, And it's the first book I haven't put an acknowledgement page in. And if I'd put one, and if you'll buy enough books, there'll be a second printing and I'll fix that. But Barbara is an unbelievable editor. And Robin DeMurga, who is our daughter, edits everything that I do. And she's incredible. And the staff of Key Life, you have no idea. And my wife, Anna, who is here tonight, she puts up with more stuff than you would believe. Um, Well, and speaking of all the copies that people are going to buy... You don't make any money on this, right? It no, all goes to actually, I don't. Back years ago, when I started writing, I decided I wouldn't take anything for the writing. We would give it to the ministry. I have no idea what I was thinking. I think I was smoking pot in those days. <laughs> but every time you buy anything uh, in our store and you don't have any money, we'll give it to you. But anytime you buy anything, a portion of that... All the royalties go right back to Key Life. Guys, this is hard work. We're going to have some cookies and milk. Rest up. Then like Jesus, we're coming back.
Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. We're glad you're with us for this edition of Key Life. For those of you who are listening on the radio, we're doing this at Orangewood uh, Church in uh, Orlando. And we have a number of friends here, and we're doing it sort of live with a live audience. And we're glad that you're a part of it. Uh, We appreciate that very much. If you're tired of playing Angry Birds, try downloading the free Key Life app. Uh, It's available for both iPhone and Android. You can be sure and check it out and maybe throw us some stars. Five or six would be fine. Just go to keylife.org app. APP. Do it. (laughs) Dr. Brown. Um, I would like, if you would, to just take a minute and talk a little bit about, you and I have talked about this subject a lot over the years, uh, about the subject of denial. Uh, I find it very effective. I like it a lot. Uh, I spend a significant amount of my time living in it. Um, and, um, And it's not worked really well, but sometimes it's been great. What, um, what is so wrong with denial? Well, first, we all play that game some. Uh, we live in a very dark world, and there's some really, really hard stuff that we face. You've heard me say on numerous occasions that people say they want to show me the real life And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I see real life all the time. I just can't tell you the number of deathbeds I've stood by and how often I've listened to confessions and how many babies I've buried, how many suicides that I've had to go back and clean up. It's just been a lot of years of that sort of thing. And sometimes you've got to read a novel that's an escape. Sometimes you got to turn away from the darkness and maybe even pretend some, but you can't do that forever. Eventually, you have to take the hand of Jesus and face it. And the hard thing is to do it about those things that we lament. Our own personal sin, uh, the uh, cancer. I got a, I got a, text this morning from a dear friend of mine, and uh, I love him a lot. He's a pastor in the north in Indiana. His name is Bill, and his wife, Love, are people I've known for a long time. They even 
named one of their sons after me, Stephen. Stephen got hooked on drugs, medical drugs, couldn't kick it, ended up committing suicide. And then two years later, his brother, who couldn't deal with that loss, his brother committed suicide. And then about six months ago, Love got diagnosed with cancer, and they're dealing with that now. That's awful. That's terrible. So no matter where it is, at some point, Jesus will say, come with me, and let's kiss that demon on the lips. And that's when denial stops, and we begin to deal with the real thing. Now, you can read what I've just said in a lot of books on lament. But very few of those books will tell you about the laughter. Because in the middle of the bad stuff that we all face, and every one of you know what I'm talking about, in the middle of that, there's laughter. And it's the laughter that comes from the redeemed who know that God has their back. And that no matter what happens, they can still dance they can still deal with it, and that Romans 8.28 is still true. And so you can deny the laughter and say this. I have, was the pastor of a church uh, where a man left because he said, I told jokes, and this is so serious, you shouldn't tell jokes about it. And I told him it's so serious that if you don't tell jokes about it, you miss it. I was young in those days, and uh, now looking back on what I said to him, that was a lot more profound than I thought it was. And so um, they used to have an invitation at churches uh, where the evangelist would say, turn to your neighbor. He would invite people to come forward and receive Christ. And he would say, turn to your neighbor and say to your neighbor, if you go, I'll go with you. Now, that's highly manipulative. <laughs> you don't do that sort of thing. And I used to think, no, I'm not going to tell you what I think because it's not very uh, appropriate for this kind of show. But uh, that's what Jesus has said to us. If you'll take off your glasses, the rose-colored ones, if you'll kiss those demons on the lift, if you'll go there into the dark, I'll go with you. And that's what this book is about. You don't even have to buy it. I just told you. <laughs> it's the fact that Jesus goes with us to the darkest places in our lives, the places that most of us just want to deny. And if you do deny it, you, you miss the joy that he gives in the middle of it. As I was writing this book, and she has subsequently passed away, one of the wives of the board members of Key Life, I called. She had just received her diagnosis, and, uh, and I called her to give her comfort, and we would cry together, and we did cry together. But, but you know what she said to me? She said, Steve, I hate this. I just hate this, but I'm okay with it. And then we told each other jokes, and we laughed and laughed and laughed. That's the reality and the gift that Jesus gives us. doesn't take it away. 
It's not power without pressure. It's laughter under pressure. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. So don't deny it, except when you have to. That was a very long answer. <laughs> I'm a preacher. What did I, you expect? I, I, I have your other three questions. I, I know. <laughs> what do I expect as a preacher? Is a as a poem and three points that all start with the same letter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and hopefully you get done before noon. So, so the the lamenting thing. I'm going to have to tee it up. But in the book, you talk about. Uh, the phrase, you don't hear it so much anymore, I don't think so, but real men don't cry. Yeah. I guess real men never watched the 1993 cinematic classic, Rudy, <laughs> <laughs> because everybody cries on that one. But the point is to, to not run away from the pain. It if really I'm hearing is. correct, it's like just sit there and, and feel it and embrace it, and that God and, and the laughter's on the other side of that. Yeah, but don't really run is. from it. It really is. Uh, Layer Crab used to say, go to the dark and probe it until nobody can fix it but Jesus. And that's what he does. He comes into the dark and he may not fix it, but he's there and you know, and there's a sense of peace and reality. Not Mickey Mouse stuff, because hard stuff is hard stuff. But there's a sense of reality when he comes. And when he comes, you'll know it. It'll make all the difference in the world. Hey, guys, we need to make a buck, so we're going to back out for a break. But if you touch that dial, you'll get the fever and die. From Key Life comes two mini books. What do you do for a living? And Life After Retirement. What do you do for a living by Justin Holcomb addresses the problem of defining ourselves by what we do and how we perform in our work instead of by who we know. A gracious, loving God who defines who we are. Life After Retirement by Steve Brown examines how those transitioning from work to retirement often experience a loss of purpose in life and how the quest for personal significance can best be answered by God's radical grace, love, and purpose for our lives sufficient to carry us through this transition. What do you do for a living and life after retirement can help guide people struggling with either work or retirement? These two Key Life mini books are available through keylife.org for a donation of $6. We're so glad you're here. Uh, As I say, you have a seat at our table always. By the way, if you're listening to this program, odds are that you would love our weekly email, Key Life Connection. It's free and easily worth twice the amount. (laughs) Try it now at keylife.org slash subscribe. Steve, when, uh, in, in your chapter entitled Life is Hard and Then You Die, um, <laughs> you quote Henri Nouwen, and there was a particular part of that that uh, really struck me. It is better to cry than to worry, better to feel your wounds deeply than to understand them. 
in the midst of all of our uh, psychoanalysis and trying to, you know, dig into the details of things, where does that fit? It has to do with the denial we were talking about before, mm-hmm. facing it, uh, kissing the demons. Andre Nowen, by the way, if you're not familiar with him, you ought to be. He was gay, and I didn't know that till after he died, but he was celibate. And he wrote the book, The Wounded Healer, and his diaries are absolutely amazing. And he spent the last part of his life in Canada taking care of a severely, severely disabled child. He had to do the child's to- toilet, brush his teeth, dress him. And, and he was a world-renowned scholar, Henri Nouwen was, and a world-renowned best-selling author. And he was a Catholic priest. Now, I would have preferred him not be gay and that he not be Catholic. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, now that I think about it. Uh, but he was profound because he faced his pain. When I read his diaries, I didn't know he was gay. And, uh, and, uh, but I knew something was wounded deeply in him. You could tell it when he was talking. And that was it. And uh, out of his wounds came a very, very wise man who says things like what you just quoted. Uh, and I love that quote, by the way. That, uh, and it gives men permission to cry, too, mm. which you had mentioned earlier. Mm. Uh, the idea that real men don't cry is just not true. And once you get Jesus, you can cry in public without that being embarrassing. Uh, When I left the um, church, I served for some 20 years in the Miami area. I couldn't get through the sermon. I was crying so hard. And every time I think of that, I blush. I think, what? That was an awful time. It was just terrible. I couldn't get through it. And as I was working on this book, I've decided, no, it wasn't. That was honest tears. I love those people. And I was having to leave, and I didn't want to leave. So deal with it. And the tears of even that time have become positive, positive to me because I wrote this book. You had a quote in here that reminded me of a story of growing up, the idea of laughter kind of showing up in quote-unquote inappropriate places. Um, my parents are here. They may remember this. We went to a funeral for a distant, distant relative, and you need to know it's distant, distant relative because somehow, somehow, one of us made eye contact with the other and started laughing. <laughs> and no sound. <laughs> it's the quiet laughter. It's the quiet laughter that you don't know when it's going to escape, and it's going to be disastrous, and it only grows the more you know that you can't. So... In the book, you write about that inappropriate, that that the laughter helps us grow flowers in hell, quote unquote. And I love that phrase. Talk about about what that means to grow flowers in hell. Uh, When you use laughter to grow flowers in hell, it points to a reality that goes beyond the hell. By the way, if you've never seen it, and I use that cut at the Cove, Kathy reminded me about it, 
of Mary Tyler Moore when they, what was the clown's name? Chuckles the Clown. Chuckles the Clown (laughs) funeral. If you've never seen that, you can get it on YouTube where they all get tickled and she can't stop. And I played that clip uh, at the Cove this year and people, I could hardly get them to listen to my teaching after. It was so (laughs) funny. But uh, yeah, you grow flowers in hell. I got that. I got that from a missionary who was in Haiti and she was home and uh, I was sitting and talking to her. I said, are you going to go back? She said, I don't want to. I said, why are you going back? She said, because I want to plant flowers in hell. Mm-hmm. Boy, that phrase will jump out and kiss you on the mouth. And I've thought about it ever since. And I think that I, if I quoted it in the book, mm. and I wrote the book so long ago, I don't remember <laughs> what I said. But, uh, but that's a good way to, uh, to express mm. what happens. The flowers begin to grow in places you never expected them. Mm. At funerals, you find yourself laughing. In a hospital room, a joke is funny. Uh, When you're with friends and you're all going through a tough time like a hurricane, you have a party. Hmm. And that's what Jesus does for his people. Laughter and lament. We're going to talk a little bit more about it in the final. We have a wonderful guest uh, (laughs) for this Steve Brown, etc. who likes to talk about himself, and, and they're letting him do it on this program, which isn't bad at all. The name of the book is Laughter and Lament, and I forget the subtitle, but it's a good subtitle, too. What is it? Figure it out on the other side of the break. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. irritated when the electricity went out. No television, no music, no Netflix. Then he discovered that the battery on his smartphone was dead. He decided to make some coffee, but when he went to the kitchen, he realized that without electricity, he couldn't even do that. Then he noticed his wife in the kitchen, and he sat down and talked to her. He said later, you know, She seemed like a very nice lady. I know, I know, technology's good, but sometimes go talk to somebody face-to-face. You might be surprised how nice and real they are. It's messy sometimes, but Jesus would like it. I'm Steve Brown. You think about that. Share what you just heard with a friend. Go to youthinkaboutthat.com. You're listening to Steve Brown, etc., and we're so glad you're here. Everybody's busy today. When you take time out of a busy schedule to be with us, we rise up and call you blessed. And in case you're just joining us, we have some friends here, and we're at a church in Orlando, Orangewood Church. And I wrote a new book, and we decided we were going to do an hour uh, of et cetera on that book and uh, try to sell a few books. 
And I don't know whether people who have bought the book have now gone back to the store (laughs) and told them they wanted their money back. But uh, we have some delightful people here. I want to say audience, but audience sounds so formal. They're really uh, they're really just friends and we're family. And you miss the time during the breaks because Bud Frega is our master of ceremonies, and all he's done is demean me (laughs) the whole time. (laughs) And some nice things, too. Uh, One other thing I wanted to ask you about. I don't know if it's as commonplace now as it was a lot of years ago when you and I were younger in the faith and growing up, but um, there there was this feeling that if you were really a good Christian, um, you know, you learned that great verse about counting it all joy and, and you were always joyful or you were striving to be joyful or whatever. And, and so you never, you always felt like if, if you weren't joyful, that there was something, that there was something really wrong with you. And one of the things that you said years ago, and I remember at one time, a lot of years ago, I did a cross stitch of it and it was, um, um, about, God hearing the sound of our tears as they strike the ground. And I recently said that to a a dear friend of mine who is in the throes of having lost a significant portion of their home. And, and she was saying, and, and she loves Jesus with all of her heart, but she was saying, you know, we're so blessed and we're so, we're so grateful and we're so thankful and everything. And I said to her, but you know, God hears the sound of your tears as they strike the ground. And, and you do have every right to cry as you're going through all of this because you've lost a, a significant portion of your house and most of the stuff that's in it. Why do we, that was a long way, I'm sorry, but uh, why do we still feel that way though? What is it in us that makes us feel like we have to? Because we've been taught and I've yeah. done some of that teaching, so I'm not, I'm not throwing rocks at people who do, but we've been taught poorly. Uh, we, our worship songs are ones that don't allow us uh, to cry or to weep. I think every worship service, and I've been telling my pastor that too, ought to be a, have a place of sadness where people can express their sense of loss. And it ought to also have a place where we tell each other our jokes because laughter is a part of this thing, but not phony laughter. Nothing worse than a Christian who's pretending to be joyful when they're dying inside. And man, I've met so many and I've done that myself on many occasions. And this book gives you permission to cry because God does hear your tears. And the psalmist says he puts them in a bottle and keeps them. Um, You... Tell, uh, use as an illustration a story about our dear friend Kent. Um, can you talk about him? And I, uh, I love Kent and Heidi Keller more than you could possibly know. He was my associate, and he's now the pastor of a church in Miami, Kendall Presbyterian Church. A number of years ago, he got a virus of some sorts. If he were here, He would tell you this story and give you the medical details, but we thought he was going to die. It was creeping up his body and heading for his heart and his head, and I was planning what I was going to say at the funeral. 
And then all of a sudden it stopped, but it didn't stop before it destroyed Kent. And now he's in a wheelchair. He's got a hand that works. Uh, And because I was his old friend and he knew I was a cynical old preacher, he asked me to come to Miami once he was getting around in a wheelchair. He said, there's some things I can't tell you that I can't tell other people without their losing their faith. And this is hell. So we went to a bar. Neither one of us drink, uh, or I don't. I don't haven't checked on him recently. <laughs> but we went to a bar over to a corner. A friend of his owned the bar. And man, we spent hours together just processing and crying and talking about the darkness of what he'd gone through. Man, if you're ever in Miami, you ought to go here. Can't preach. Uh, Let me tell you a story really quickly, and if he were here, he would correct me, but it's basically true. (laughs) When I go to Miami, we have dinner together, and he drives. He does everything that anybody else does, sometimes faster, sometimes slower. And he, uh, we were having dinner together, and he drove to the restaurant, and he has that kind of vehicle that the wheelchair comes down, and he and went up the ramp into the, this restaurant, and they saw him coming. And I said, if you move a chair, he could probably fit there better. And so they move a chair, and he pulls up to the table, and I sit down. And um, I tell the waitress, I said, look, um, uh, give me the check. Uh, he's a cripple, and he doesn't have very much money, and he won't give you a very good tip. And then Kent, it's one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me, looked down at his wheelchair and said, good Lord, when did this happen? (laughs) (laughs) And the waitress started backing off like I've got. And and I've thought about that time. I still laugh when I tell that story. And, um, And how often Kent and I have laughed together. In fact, when we text or email each other. There's always a joke and some kidding around that's a part of it. But he's doing that from a wheelchair. And uh, that blows me away. And if you could hear his wife Heidi laugh, it would surprise you too. So, uh, so that's Kent Keller. And, and some of the truths about God that bring joy come out of that. Oh, I see it in him all the time in his preaching and what he writes. I see the sadness and the darkness and I hear the laughter and it's what I've been talking about in this particular book. Love it. Would love to ask another question, but we're not going to have time for the answer. What well, you're supposed supposed to say goodbye to the guest. Well, and I, then I can get up and walk right. off. That's right. Well, I was going to if we had had time, and we don't. <laughs> you have a great story, a great illustration with a conversation from our one man IT department, uh, John Myers. What I didn't see was any stories from your old pal Matthew. I don't see, you know, I'm kind of book. I'm no, kind of you, fun to be. You around. don't want me to tell stories about it. <laughs> okay. Trust me on that. You are wise, <laughs> guys. We're going to come back. We've got one more segment, and it's the best segment. And we're going to tell you who we're going to do it unto next week, and you will be utterly amazed with the prowess of our lady who solicits guests 
and who she got for us next week. And who she did this week. week. It won't be as good as this week. No. No, not even close. No. Aren't but you supposed to leave at this point? But you'll like it. Don't go away. Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of four dollars. Hey, it's been a good hour, and I and I hope you uh, enjoyed the time. Uh, this kind of program makes me kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> Because uh, I hate being the center of something (laughs) like this. But when you write a book, that's what you do. You do whatever it takes. You know what I'm going to be doing for the next three months? I'm going to be doing interviews with radio and television stations and on podcasts all over the country. Now, if you tell anybody that I said this, I'll say you lied. (laughs) The publisher, God bless their hearts... Uh, send a press kit to these stations and they give them a list of questions because nobody's going to read the book, but they have to have guests and I'm one of them. And so they go through the questions that the publishers have sent to them and they ask you the same questions over and over and over again. Now, when you're old, you're already irritated about that, and it takes very little to irritate you. So, uh, this is being broadcast, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Coughing and cussing. I wish I hadn't started this. (laughs) Coughing and cussing. But between you and me, if they ask the publishers questions and have not bothered to read the book, I play solitaire during the interview. So pray for me. Uh, I, I like the writing, okay, because I like to talk about Jesus. Uh, the other stuff I could, uh, I could do without. But I'll tell you something. What makes this easier, the people that are part of Steve Brown, etc. These people, and you hear their voices, um, are absolutely amazing. And John and Jinx. And then all of the people on the cameras for this evening and have worked with us. Boy, you know, I hate some of this stuff. But this hasn't been half bad. (laughs) And I like you guys, too, because you're forgiving and you laugh a lot, even when it hurts. So for those of you who are here at the church, thank you so much for joining us. And for those of you who are in the 
audience listening or watching, thank you too. Quickly, who's going to be here next week? You know, a few months back we had this gentleman on. Uh, his name is Trevin Wax, and we really liked him a lot. He was a contributing uh, writer to another book, but his new book is out, The Thrill of Orthodoxy, and we are very, very much looking forward to having him. So join us next week. Do join us. Same time, same place. Between now and then, don't do anything we wouldn't, and that gives you a wide, wide berth. Where you're talking about yourself. Uh-huh.